0: now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you.
1: Numbers chapter 6, we're going to read verses uh, 22 to 27. I want us to see something important here. Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. The Lord says this, he says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. This is how you are going to bless them. How are you going to do it? Say to them, say to them or speak these words over them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. You know, God was telling Aaron uh, and the priesthood, this is how you're going to bless my people. You're going to bless them by speaking these words over them. Speak over them. And here's what you might say. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you. Uh, the Lord be gracious to you and uh, lift up His countenance on you and give you His peace. Now, you know, we think, well, that's the last part of the order of service, benediction. It's the time to say amen and go home. <laughs> but really, there's more to it than just, you know, the benediction, the, like the closing of the service. It's really a God... God's instruction on how to bless His people. He says, if you will speak this word over my people, God says, I will bless them. Amen. So words are so important. Your words will determine if God is going to bless or whether He's not going to bless. Words are so important. So what words are you speaking on your own life? What words are you speaking over those Under you or those related to you. You know spouse, husband, wife. What words are you speaking on each other? Over each other? Parents, children. What words are parents speaking over their children? Are you speaking words that God can. Which will allow God to release his blessing. On your family, on your children. Your words are important. Amen. I want to encourage us. Learn to speak words of blessing over your own life. Learn to speak words of blessing over your your spouse, over your children, over your colleagues, over, your, uh, over the people that you lead uh, at work. Learn to speak words of blessing over them because your words of blessing will become a means for God to bless them. Amen. Let's stand up to our feet as we make our declaration this morning and speak God's words of blessing over our own lives. I want you to hold your Bibles high up in the air. Say this out loud with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I am a minister of God, a servant of Christ. And a channel of His blessing... To many people, I receive his word, I believe his word, and I live by his word. Christ is my master, and to him I am in absolute surrender, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, you may be seated. You know, there's a cry that's going out from the lives of uh, many, many people that you and I see and contact every day. And there's a cry that's going out from the hearts and lives of many hundreds, many thousands, literally many millions of people around us who are hurting, who are suffering. They may be fine on the outside. They may be, you know, successful. Everything is going well. But inside, they may be looking for truth, looking for answers, looking for identity, looking for significance, looking to know the God who created them. And there's a cry that's going out from the hearts and lives Of people all around us saying, Somebody save our souls. And if you and I can see beyond time and beyond our immediate world, if you and I are able to look into eternity, and if we can hear the cry of those who have actually crossed the line and stepped out of this present world into eternity, then we will hear the cries of those like the rich man in hell who says, If only Lazarus can dip his tongue in a little bit of cool water. And come and touch the tip of my tongue. It would be fine. Or please send somebody to go speak to my family. Lest they also join me in this place of torment. There's a cry coming off from those who have already crossed the line. Saying somebody save our souls. I want us to really open our hearts and open our ears this morning. To hear the cry. And to allow God to do something in us and through us. I want to welcome our dear brother George, to come and minister in song first before we get into the message. Let's put our hands together and welcome him.
0: Good morning, everybody. I know that everybody here at one point or the other has come to a stage in your life, there has been a point of no return, and said, That's it, a point of desperation. And at that moment, is the moment you turn to God or you found Jesus or And you pressed on or otherwise you pressed on in the the presence of God and you found your way through. And once we come out of that situation, we forget. But I want to tell you that God takes you through that situation so that you come victorious so that you can tell somebody about it. Amen. As Pastor said, there's a voice that's crying out in your workplaces. There's a voice that's coming out. Please tell me about him. And you may say, no, I'm not qualified as a Bible teacher. I'm not qualified to speak. But I want to give you a true real-life example. It happened in Cochin. There's this man who's lost his mind. He's always in the garbage. And what he does is he takes the newspaper, whatever he finds in the garbage, and he reads it loud. Loud with the the top of his voice. And this garbage place is near the railway tracks. And there was this man who wants to end his life. And he comes to the railroad track, places his head on the tracks. And, the, and you can hear the train coming. And here this man, he finds a track in the trash. And he reads it out loud and said, salvation is near. Today is the day of salvation. And this man who's on the track, putting his head on the track, he says, man, that is somebody calling me. And he gives his life to Jesus. And I'm telling you, here All of you are much better than the person who lost his mind. And you can do that. All you need is to do is say, God, I'm willing to do it. To tell somebody about Jesus. She kept on getting weaker as days dragged into day. Doctors gave no hope for her, she seemed to fade away. My hours were filled with constant dread. Time became a knife, and slowly and relentlessly cut the code of life. There was a teacher in this reason. Some of us have heard they say he healed a paralytic. By the power of justice' word, so with hopes again rekindled, I wanted once to see if I could find a man named Jesus from a town in Galilee. As, as I began to search the city, soon I saw a crowd, they were pressing in to touch him. And they called his name out loud With the strength of desperation I pushed them all aside And I threw myself before him And from my knees I cried Lord, come and heal my daughter Even now she's close to death Her fever is uncontrollable She fights for every breath God's given you the power Life is yours to give if you just lay your hands on her I know that she will live she will live she will live she will live He just began to go with me then a face I saw with fear came towards me with a news I knew I didn't want to hear. And although I try to steal myself, I tremble when he said, Why bother the teacher anymore? A little girl is dead. Jesus touched my shoulder and told me not to grieve. The trembling stopped when he looked at me and said only believe. Then he sent the crowds away, except as close as men, as they followed right behind us, as we started off again. We were still along the ways down the road When we heard the sounds and cries Of the mourners and the musicians As they strove to dramatize My grief they had no business with Beneath their loud disguise My wife just sat there silently Stared through empty eyes Jesus asked the mourners Why is that you weep? She isn't dead as you suppose The child is just asleep It only took a moment When the wails turned to cheers Who does this man think he is? Get him out of here With authority I've never heard From the lips of any man He spoke and every word Rode out with a thunder of command And in a sudden silence They all hurried for the door Wondering what the reasons were, they never come there for. Jesus called his three disciples with him on the way. He led them and my wife and me to where our daughter lay took her by a hand and told the child arise. And the words were barely spoken as she opened up her eyes. She rose and walked across the room and stood there at our sides. My wife knelt down and held her close, at last she really cried. Then Jesus asked us both to see the daughter have some food. But as to how her life was saved, Not to speak a word, not to speak a word. I've got got to tell somebody, got to tell somebody, got to tell somebody. Gotta tell, tell somebody, Gotta tell somebody, Gotta tell somebody, Gotta tell somebody, Jesus did for me, Gotta tell somebody, Gotta tell somebody, what Jesus did for me, Gotta tell somebody, Gotta tell somebody, Jesus did for me, Gotta tell somebody, Gotta tell somebody, Jesus did for me.
1: Thank you, George. Thank you so much. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. Here's what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verse 1. He said, My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved my heart's desire everybody say heart's desire and prayer to god the so two things he said my heart's desire and prayer to god for israel is that they may be saved now it's kind of interesting to note that you know paul was not the apostle to the jews he was actually by calling an apostle to the Gentiles. So it's almost like yeah, you're focusing on the wrong targets. But yet, you know, I want you to see the reality of this, that even though, you know, some of us may say, and that's not my calling, that's not what I'm called to do. Yet you and I can do these two things. We can have our heart's desire and prayer to God. Let's personalize this. How about if we say, my heart's desire and prayer to God for India is that India will be saved. How about bringing it a little closer? My heart's desire and prayer to God for Bangalore is that Bangalore will be saved. Or how about bringing it a little bit more closer? My heart's desire and prayer to God for my colleagues, for my friends, for my family members, for those that I live among is that they might be saved. All of us can do that. Amen. I want to focus in on this part where he says, my heart's desire, there was something in his heart. We would call it passion. Heart's desire, something inside, a fire in his bones, something really stirring up. He said, "I I have a heart's desire for people to be saved. I want to focus on that this morning. You know, it's sad but true that sometimes those of us who uh, you know, grow, spend some time in church, and you know, we, we learn the Hebrew and the Greek, and we know all of that. Somehow, in the course of studying the Word of God, in the course of being built up in the Spirit, we tend to lose this heart's desire for people to be saved. You now, we get so preoccupied with either acquiring more understanding of the Word, there's nothing wrong with that, Or we get so preoccupied with God make me a success, bless me, increase me, you know, get me a new good job, a better job, you know, all these things. We get so occupied with these things that somehow in our walk with God, this heart's desire to see souls saved dissipates, just goes out. It's not there anymore. And so this morning, my objective is really for us to rekindle that and of course, I can't do it. I mean, we, you know, it's not just an emotional thing of stirring people up. But my prayer is that God will light a fire within us. Or He would rekindle the fire that was once there in our hearts. Amen. I, I'm, I'm almost positive that all of us, when we first encountered Jesus, we wanted to tell somebody about Him. I'm almost positive that all of us had that fire in our bones. I've got to tell somebody. But, you know, over time it just... Diminished in its intensity. But this morning, my prayer is that God, and only God can do this, that He would kindle within us that fire once again. My heart's desire for people to be saved. Why don't don't we just take a moment right now to pray and say, God, this morning, kindle my heart's desire. You pray for yourself and say, Lord, kindle up my heart's desire. Stir up my heart's desire for people to be saved. To see souls saved. To hear the SOS that's coming out from those around me, from those who've even crossed the line. And God stir up a desire in my heart for people to be saved. Amen. When we think about this, you know, what would really motivate us as believers to, uh, to go out there seeking that which is lost, to seek souls, to look for souls, for people to be saved? What would really stir us up What would really motivate us? What would really stir up the passion within us? I find that there are several things that would really stir up. Help me have this passion, rekindle this passion to win lost souls. First of all, when I understand the heart of God, you know, as I draw close to God, as you draw close to Him and understand His heart, you and I will realize that God has a big heart for those who are still unsaved. Amen. The Bible is so plain and we know several scriptures on this. The third chapter of John, verses 16, 17, 18. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. And He still does. God still loves the world. He still loves that friend who troubles you so much. He still loves that person who, who, whom you don't like. For God still loves the world so much. Amen. As we draw close to Him, we will understand that His heart is really for those outside the church. I mean, He loves you and me for sure. But He also loves all those people outside the walls of the church. He loves all those who are lost. For God loved the world so much that He gave His only Son, Jesus. That whoever believes in Him will not die, but have eternal life. For God sent His Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. God wants souls to be saved. He wants to see people saved. Amen. As we understand the heart of God, as we draw near to the heart of God, that passion on His heart will rub off on us. The feelings of His heart will become the feelings of our heart. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy the second chapter verses three to seven, and you're fam- you and I are familiar with it. It tells us there is, you know, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Meaning, this is really something good and well pleasing. God's really excited about this. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one Mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave his life as a ransom in due time. This is good and acceptable in God's eyes. This is something so pleasing. He wants all men to be saved. Let's say this together. God wants everyone saved. Now It's got to really be strong within us. God wants every person to be saved. All those people outside today, regardless of you know, what their background is, what they're doing in life, God wants them saved. And in fact, that's one big reason why Jesus has not returned yet. You know, in 2 Peter, the third chapter, I think it's the word, 19th verse, it says, you know, that God is not ignorant of the promise He made, but He is very patient, very long-suffering, not desiring, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. He doesn't want anyone to be saved, anyone to be lost. He wants all of them to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish. So that's the heart of God, a heart of love longing for people to be saved. And as we draw near to the heart of God, that passion on His heart will become the passions of our heart. That God, I also want to be part of this. I want to have that same feeling in my heart to see souls saved. And you know, you and I must really understand that there's only one way. There's only one door. There's only one Savior. There's only one mediator. You know, many of us, sometimes we sit in church, we believe in Jesus Christ, and yet in our minds, subconsciously, we think, Maybe there are many ways to God. The truth is there's only one way. There's only one Savior, only one door, only one name. Amen. Because if we are convinced about it, then we will understand the importance of proclaiming that one only name of Jesus Christ. And the Bible is absolutely plain, clear on that. Acts the fourth, chapter, 12th, verse, for instance. It says, There is no salvation in any other. For there is no other name given under heaven among men by which we can be saved. There's just no other name. It's sad that sometimes many people sitting in church have the idea that, well, you know, we get saved through Jesus, others get saved through some other means. No, the Bible is so clear. There's no other name. There's no other way. There's only one Savior. Amen. And it has to really hit hit us in our spirit that there's only one way. There's only one Savior. Therefore, I need to get this message out. This message of Jesus Christ. God's heart for the lost. And look at the extent that God bent to see souls saved. He gave His only Son, Jesus. The God of glory became man on the earth. He humbled Himself to die this humiliating death on the cross. Suffer at the hands of the very people He came to save. He went to that extent. That's how serious God is about seeing people saved. A second motivator for us to really have this passion for souls, to go out there and reach souls, is uh, us understanding the reality of eternity. You know, we get so preoccupied with the here and the now that we forget the reality of eternity. Our life on earth, however long it may be, 60, 70, 80 years old or longer than that, however long it may be, is extremely minute compared to eternity. It has no measure. And there is a real heaven and a real hell. All of us one day will have to cross the line. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 9 verse 27. It is appointed unto man once to die. No second chance. Once to die. And after that, the judgment. It's appointed a man once to die. After that, the judgment. All of us have only one chance. We cross the line. But then there is eternity that we step into. Jesus described hell in no uncertain terms. He didn't say, you know, well, you know, there's a place called hell. It's not too bad. I mean, you just have to sit with your own friends uh, and you'll be stuck with them forever and ever. I mean, it was, that, that's not, that was not his description of hell. You know, then all of us would say, oh, let's all of us, let's all go gang gang together and go drink, drink some Coke and just chill out in hell, you know. No, 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 no. It's not like that. Look at what Jesus said. Look at some of his descriptions of what hell is like. Matthew 7, he said, you know, there's a narrow gate. Go enter in the narrow gate because there's also a wide gate and many go through the wide gate, but it leads to destruction. It leads to something that's not good. It leads to destruction. In Matthew, the 25th chapter, after he uh, talked to us about the, the the sheep and the goat nations and how the sheep will be separated from the goats. He said this, you know, he said that the that God would speak to the goat nations. He would say, depart from me into everlasting fire. That's not very pleasant. Depart from me into everlasting fire. prepared for the devil and his angels. So hell, everlasting fire was not prepared for man. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. And yet unfortunately many people end up there. Because they don't get saved. But look at how he described hell. ever. Last fire. In Mark the ninth chapter, he said this in verses 43 to 46. He said, you know, it's better if, if your uh, hand causes you to sin, cut it off. So that, because it's better for you to enter into life with one hand than to go into everlasting fire with both hands. Where the worm is not destroyed, the body is not destroyed, and the fire is not quenched. It's going to burn. You're going to feel it. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out because it's better for you to go into heaven or eternal life with one eye than to go into everlasting fire with both. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off because it's better for you to go into life with one leg than to go into hell with two legs where there's everlasting fire. Are we understanding the seriousness of this? There's a real place called hell where those without experiencing Jesus are going to go there. Revelation, the 20th chapter, the 15th verse tells us this, that whoever's name was not written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into a lake of fire. It's serious. It's not just a picture. It's not just a a, a metaphor or an allegory or a figment of our imagination. It's real, a lake of fire, everlasting fire. So when we understand the reality of eternity without God, It will stir us up saying, look, I've got to do something to rescue souls. To answer the SOS that's coming up from those who are perishing. I've got to do something. Amen. Another important motivator for us will be the present reality. The fact is that there are many people who seem to be doing all right in life. And yet on the inside, they're hurting. They have success in their work. They have the money. They may have the wealth and the homes and and all of those things. But yet inside, they're hurting. They're looking for truth. They're looking to know, is there really a God who loves and cares? What is the purpose of life? What is the meaning of life? And then, of course, on the other hand, there are people who are suffering, aching and hurting in this present life. And you and I have the answer because you and I have Jesus who said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. We have the answer. So we can step into the, the present reality of those around us and help bring the answer into their lives, help bring healing, help bring our purpose and meaning, help bring the truth, help bring our relationship with the living God, you and I can step into their present reality. Amen. And finally, I think you, all, you, you and I must understand, we are well aware of this, that there's a heavenly mandate upon our lives. The God of heaven is depending not on His angels, but He's depending on people like you and me to get soul saved. Amen. I mean, if He wanted to, He could have uh, commissioned the angels of heaven to say, Go ye angels into all the world and tell the nations about my good news. Gabriel, Michael, and all the rest of you. He could have done that. But He chose not to. He gave you and me the mandate. He told you and me... Go make disciples of all nations. Go into the whole world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said in Luke 24, he said, you are witnesses of these things. And this message of mine will be preached among all nations for the forgiveness of sins. But you are witnesses. The mandate, the responsibility to get this work done is on you and me. Amen. God's counting on you and me to reach souls. It's a real eternity. That you and I will cross over into one day. And in our hands lies the future, the eternity, the eternal destinies of a million people. In your hands, in my hands, we can determine whether they are going to be with us in heaven or they are going to go forever into an eternal hell. I pray that this morning God will really quicken in our hearts the seriousness of this and say, Lord, I want to live to see others come to know Jesus Christ. I want to see this happen. I want to see souls saved. I think the challenge that many of us face is not understanding all this. I think the challenge you and I face is how do we keep the fire burning? You know, because usually after a message like this, man, you're all fired up. I know when we pray, I mean, I'm sure we're going to have a good time of prayer this morning. We're all going to pray, say, God, I... I have this heart's desire that I want India to be saved. I want souls to be saved. I'm sure we all going to be, you know, stirred up inside. Yes, I must do something. But you know, by 9 o'clock this evening, when you're thinking about the meeting with your boss tomorrow, when you think about all that you need to get done at work, suddenly all the fire seems to just extinguish. And you say, wow, I, I just got so many things to handle tomorrow. Or getting souls saved, maybe next year, you know. Maybe after I deal with my boss. And so we all struggle with this. How can we keep this fire burning? The passion, this heart's desire to see souls saved. How do we do that? And here are some things I just like to share with us. You know, first of all, I think intimacy with God is so important. Many of us are afraid to talk to others about Jesus because we know our spiritual walk is in bad shape. I mean, you know... Just the fact that we, don't, we are not being intimate with God on a regular basis and, and spending time with Him, walking close to His heart. The very thought of, hey, me talking to somebody about Jesus, forget it, man. I didn't read my Bible. I'm sure the Holy Spirit won't use me today. That itself defeats us right there. Why? Because we feel so guilty that we haven't been close with God. So I want to encourage us. And, and, and there is no excuse. There's no other way but you spending time with God. Keep yourself on fire spiritually. Keep yourself close to the heart of God so that the feelings of His heart rub off on you. But you too say, God, I want to love the world the way you love the world. There's nothing else. Nobody nobody else can do that for you. Amen. So keep maintaining that. Your walk with God, your spiritual life. Because the fact that we are weak in this area also affects us in our sharing with others. It's on our minds and it just cripples us right there. So let's... Ensure that we do spend time with God. Now I'm not saying, you know, I'm not trying to measure the time, how many hours you spend, that's up to you. But if you can be intimate with God and and draw close to Him regularly and be strong in the Spirit, then that will keep the fire inside you. You'll be ready to share with somebody even a simple truth about the God that you love. A second thing that that I believe is really useful for us is just to pray. What did, the, what did Paul say in Romans 10.1? He said, my heart's desire and prayer to God." So it's heart's desire led him to pray. My heart's desire and prayer to God is that Israel will be saved. Prayer is important. And I'm not saying that, you know, we just necessarily have to, you know, lock ourselves and pray hours and hours and hours for our people to be saved. But I, how about doing simple things? Like when you're out on the streets, maybe you're driving, driving to work, driving back from work. Maybe you're just walking on the street, going through the malls, wherever. Inside you, just pray. Look at the people around you. Say, oh, don't look at them as obstructions. Oh, no, man. When is he going to get out of my way? I need to drive a little faster. You know? But when you look at all the people around you, from within you, you could just lift up a prayer. Say, God, all these people, they need to be saved. I pray, God, that they will come to know the truth. I pray you will send people to them them to be saved. God, reveal yourself. A simple one line two line prayer through the course of your day is not only going to benefit the people that you're praying for, but it's going to help you keep the fire in your heart burning. Amen. My heart's desire and prayer to God is that people in our city will be saved. And you can be praying for people wherever you are as you're driving through the streets, walking to the malls just praying. God, I pray people will be saved. Lord, these people that I see, God, all these people sitting in the, in the cafe, maybe you're having your cup of coffee, people around you, just pray in your heart, God, I pray for these people that they will be saved. You know, it's going to help you keep that heart's desire burning. Amen. Another thing that's going to really help us is to start doing it. Just drop in a line, drop in a sentence that will point people to Jesus Christ. You know, you may not have the opportunity all the time to give them a big, you know, a message about Jesus But when you find somebody hurting, just telling them, hey, you know, God loves you. Can I pray with you? Simple things like that will help them and also help keep the fire burning inside you for souls. Just simple lines, simple sentences will make a difference for them and for you. So start doing that. And as we go on over the next few weeks, we will talk a little bit more on on some practical ways and how to share uh, Jesus and share our story. But... I want to encourage us that even simple sentences, even simple statements can make a big difference in somebody's life. So start doing that. The people around you, the people you come into contact with. And I believe it's also important for us to hang out with others who are doing the same thing, who also have the same passion. Because this is contagious. When you see others sharing, you also are going to be encouraged to share. When you see others stepping out of their comfort zone, when you see others touching lives for Jesus Christ, it will spur you, it will provoke you, it will motivate you want to do the same thing. So be around those people who are doing that. it will encourage you. I want to close with these two verses. I then we're going to take some time to pray. In the book of James chapter 5 verses 19 and 20, James is writing to the church. He's writing to believers, but I want you to notice what he says. He says, brethren, if any one of you, meaning brethren, draw back from the truth. Let him know this, that he who turns a sinner from his ways, meaning a man who once knew the truth, he's going away from it. Now the brethren brother has become a sinner because he's growing away from the truth. He's saying, if you turn the sinner back to his face, what are you going to do? You are going to save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. If you will intervene, if you will allow God to use you to interject in somebody's downward spiral or waywardness from God, if God, if you will have God to use you that way, just to bring somebody back to the truth or bring somebody to the truth, James says, You are saving a soul from death. And you're covering up a multitude of sins. Wouldn't it be nice to see so many people in heaven who say, I'm so thankful to you that you shared Jesus with me. Amen. Eternally grateful to you. You can have them clean your mansion if you want. Eternally grateful to you that you did something to save their soul from death and covering a multitude of sins. And in Daniel chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, Daniel in the Old Testament looking way ahead into time, writes this. He says that in the last days, there will be those who rise up, who will be raised up from the dead, some to eternal life and some to eternal destruction. But those who are wise will shine and those who turn many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Those who turn many to righteousness who pull souls away from eternal death. Those who turn many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Wow. If you and I allow God to use us here on earth, God used me to turn somebody to righteousness. Use me to save a soul from death. Daniel says, You're gonna shine like a star forever. There'll be great honor and glory bestowed on your life as you step, as you cross the line. As you step in to your eternity. Amen. Let's rise up to our feet. We're going to take some time to pray. I Call our worship team up.
0: You're the God of this city. You're the king of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless, you are There is no one like our God There is no one like our God Greater things
1: Greater things have yet to come Lord of creation,
0: the creator of all things, you're the King above all kings, you are, you're the strength in our weakness, you're the love to the
1: broken, you're the joy in the sadness,
0: you are.
1: Greater things
0: are yet to come Greater things are still
1: to be done in this Father, we just pray here this morning That you will stir up our hearts Light a fire in our spirits, O oh God. And we also pray for a release of holy boldness yes, into our lives. Oh God, that will pull down, that will destroy everything that cripples us, that causes us to hold back or withdraw, and that will release a fresh courage in our hearts to touch people, to touch lives for your kingdom. Father, I pray that this morning we will hear the cry of those who need you. That we will hear the cry of the, the lost and the dying, the perishing of people around us. We will hear their cry. And we will respond to God. That throughout this week, our ears will be open. Our hearts will be sensitive to those around us to touch them for you. Our Lord, totally transform us as a church. Totally transform us as a people. And God, that we will be a people who reach souls for your kingdom. will Bring many to righteousness and turn many to the truth continue to walk in our hearts continue to work in our lives and may each one of us be those who turn many to righteousness we pray this of God
0: we trust that this message was a blessing to you we'd love to hear from you you can email us at contact at apcwo.org Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.